0: Okay, let's go ahead and get started. If you find your seats, what I've done this week is, if you didn't have the big outline, I brought one for just this week alone. So anybody who doesn't have it, okay, Rex, you have one. Yeah, please. okay, And. Try not to let me forget that I have an outline at the end of the the lecture, too, um, also on the same subject. Let's let's open with prayer. Father God, we are a needy people. Uh, We need you more than anything else. Help us to understand what you have done for us as you've revealed it to us in your word. Help us to trust you, love you, and obey you. And open our hearts and our minds to receive what you would have us receive this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you a little bit about my personality. I am an A, 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 A personality. As a matter of fact, I was still working on this that had been ready for weeks this morning, adding to it. I'm I'm what you like I like to describe as a, a the most imperfect perfectionist you'll ever meet. Well, <clears throat> give you an example of that. Besides the 11 plus books that I have in my own library studying the, this these topics about uh, Scripture and Bibliology, I accumulated 104 books on this on the same subject in PDFs. When I'm talking about a A, A, A personality, there you have it. So we're on Revelation, and we've talked about, uh, I mentioned it to you last week that we're going to be talking about Revelation. In the preface of the book, Sola Scriptura, the Protestant position on the Bible, Dr. Bruce Bickle, now this book has various um, authors to it. They have Robert Gunn, Dr. Robert Godfrey, James White, R.C. Sproul, Joel Beakey, um, uh, Sinclair, uh, Sinc- Sinclair Ferguson, thank you, and uh, John MacArthur. So these are just some of the, uh, the authors of this book. Well, <clears throat> Dr. Bruce Bickle wrote this. Christianity is based on Revelation. If God in all his sovereign majesty did not choose to reveal himself to mankind, there would be no true knowledge of him, nor the possibility of a true relationship with him. We are bound to him by what he has chosen to reveal to us about himself. All the efforts to get to know God by man-created means leads to false religions and mysticisms. We talked about that last week. Consequently, the primary question governing our relationship with God is the question of submission, either his revelation or to our own imagination. The former requires that we rely upon the divine influence over our minds, which must be submissive to the truth of the revealer. The latter are imaginations. Depends upon the amassing of propositions, theses, tradition, mixture of philosophy, and psychology, and theology. A man made philo phylo-psycho-theology. In this atmosphere, the words of revelation of God no longer have their meaning designated by the Holy Spirit, but rather affirm the mysteries of the religious idolatries that man has created. It's one or the other, folks. We believe what God says about himself, or we make up our own. The definition of revelation is an interesting. We think When I say revelation, you're going to think book of revelation. We're talking about what this word, what we're studying now, is. Uh, it's the word in, in Greek. It's the word apocalypsis, and it comes from a combination of two words, apa, meaning from or away from, in Calupto, which comes from I mean Calupsis, which comes from Calupto, which means covering. In the Marine Corps, headgear is called your cover. In the Army, it's your headgear or your hat. But in the Marine Corps, it's your, your cover. So if you walk into a room with your headgear on in the in in boot camp, the DI is going to look at you and say, remove that cover. Interesting because in James Strong's exhaustive concordance of the Bible, he gives this as his very first definition for the word uh, apocalypsis. Literally, the word means, uh, 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 it is, the very definition is to take off the cover. I was going to tease Sean if he was here about it. You know, have him, have him tell if anyone of his D.I.s ever said anything to him like that. I mean, we got screamed at in boot camp, so I imagine he did too. The word literally means a disclosing, an uncovering, a revealing of something that was not previous that was previously hidden. Apocalypsis occurs and its cognates, it cognates, reveal, revealed, revelation, uh, is used about 40 times in the New Testament. The Hebrew term gala, and its cognates occurs approximately 23 times and has basically the same definition. In Hebrew, as it does in Greek, meaning to to cover or uncover. Here's an amplification of the uh, definition of revelation. It's a a disclosure from God who is the source to man who is the recipient of that which would otherwise not be known. That's the content of God's person, purpose, and work. Those are the specifics in acts or words, and those are the means and method that he uses. So the term revelation means how God has revealed himself to humanity, or in other words, how God made himself known. J.I. Packer, in his book, God Has Spoken, Revelation in the Bible, puts it this way. Revelation does not mean that that man is finding God, but God finding man. God sharing His secrets with us, not showing us uh, uh, by God showing Himself to us. In Revelation, God is the agent as well as the object, so He is the one showing who He is. There are divisions of Revelation, and, and there are basically two of them. There, you have general revelation and special revelation. We'll talk general revelation first general revelation includes all the means apart from Christ and apart from the Bible now those general revelations are also seen in the Bible but often they're seen without the Bible <clears throat> it's these are certain things that all people everywhere see and recognize and if they're looking they can understand general revelation is also called it is is designated by two it's broken down for two aspects, and they are um, uh, its content and its general uh, uh, audience. The general context is provides us with the knowledge that God exists. You all know this. I, I hope you all know this from uh, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. But what I really like is the way that the The easy-to-read version puts it, and and just kind of think about how that all fits together. The heavens tell about the glory of God. The skies announce what his hands have made. Each new day tells uh, tells more of the story, and each night reveals more and more about God's power. You cannot hear them saying anything. They don't make a sound we can hear, but their message goes throughout the world. Their teaching reaches the ends of the earth. God's glory is displayed in his creation, in the works of his hands. This display is so clear, so plain, that no creature can say, I didn't know. Listen to how the Apostle Paul says it. This is in Romans chapter 1. You'll hear that a few times in, in, in our study here. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident. It's an ingrained thing of all mankind. We know there is a God. He says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have, clearly, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, God says they know him, they did not honor him as God or give thanks but they become futile in their speculations. Remember, we we're talking about either God's revelation or man's speculation. This is it. So in their futile speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened, possessing, uh, professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image of the form of corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. They took the glory of God and just dumped it. They'd rather worship an idol. Sam Storms is the lead pastor of uh, uh, Bridgeway Church in Oklahoma City. He's kind of an interesting guy because he was a Dallas guy. So dispensationists, all that kind of stuff, four-point if there's such a thing, Calvinist. Anyway, he flip-flopped, become a total... Um, Reformed theologian and holds to the, the the doctrines of grace and is all millennial. That is quite a flop. Anyway, he's the pastor of this church, and he's commenting on the the general revelation and referring to James, uh, to Romans chapter one. He says this revelation is sufficiently clear and inescapable that it renders all without excuse. We saw that. Consequently. There is no such thing as an innocent native in Africa Africa any more than there is an innocent pagan in America. Then he goes on to quote R.C. Sproul's book, uh, Classical Apologetics. Sproul says, The excuse that is banished, the excuse every pagan hopes in vain to use, the excuse that is exploded by God's self-revelation in nature is pretended vacuous dishonest appeal to ignorance no one will be able to approach the judgment seat of god justly pleading i didn't know that excuse is annihilated by god no one can lightly claim insufficient evidence for not believing in god storms continues the problem is not the lack of evidence It absolutely is not the lack of evidence. The problem is the innate, natural, moral antipathy of mankind to God. The problem is not the evidence is not open to mankind. The problem is that man is not open to the evidence. Why do people not want to believe in God? There's one main reason. They do not want to be responsible to God. And he goes on, he says, note well where Paul said that even though they knew God uh, and that which was known about God was evident within them, it wasn't hidden, it wasn't obscured, it wasn't uncertain, but disclosed, clear and inescapable. There is no such thing as an honest atheist. All people know. There is a distinction, of course, between the cognitive apprehension of God That's knowing that there's a God and he's worthy of obedience and worship and gratitude. And a saving, redemptive knowledge of God. All people experience the former. All of us know, whereas only the redeemed experience the latter. Thus, the problem, again, is not a failure to honor God uh, by what is known, but a refusal to honor what was clearly known. General revelation is kind of, it doesn't give us a full-orbed understanding of God. It doesn't show that he's the redeemer and that he uh, providentially sent Christ to die on the cross. It doesn't, it doesn't go into the covenants of, of grace and on. <clears throat> but what it does show is that the God that is revealed in nature is the same God that is revealed in Scripture. Now the general audience. Not everybody in the world <clears throat> has heard the gospel. Not everybody in the world has read scripture. It's not available to everyone. Far more now than it has ever been, but not everyone has that. But they do have the light of nature working on their hearts, working on their conscience. Everybody has the light of nature. Everyone, in every place, at every time, God has given this revelation <clears throat> The visible world is kind of like a mirror <clears throat> that reflects the glory of the maker. Think about a butterfly, the intricacies of a butterfly, the, the human body. Think of uh, the beautiful colors we see here in, in fall. All of these things that God has shown that there is a designer. It is this way because there is a designer. Archie <clears throat> Sproul in his book Essential. Uh, Truths of the Christian faith says, The world is a stage for God. He is the chief actor who appears front and center. No curtain can fall and obscure his presence. We know from one glimpse of creation that nature is not its own mother. Guess what? There is no such thing as mother nature. Nature itself is powerless to produce life of any kind. In itself, nature is barren. The power to produce life resides in the author of nature, who is God. To substitute nature as the source of life is to confuse the creature with the creator, as we saw in Romans 1. All forms of nature worship are acts of idolatry that are detestable to God. And he continues. Because of the force of general revelation, every human being knows that God exists... Atheism involves the utter denial of something that is known to be true. This is why the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 14.1, still quoting Sparrow. When the scripture so chastens the atheist by calling him a fool, it is making a moral judgment upon him. To be a fool in biblical terms is not to be dim-witted or unintelligent. It is to be immoral. As the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, so the denial of God is the height of foolishness. So, nature speaks of God. We saw that. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Psalm 119, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. But we also have conscience. Now, when we're, we're talking about looking at the heavens, I want to make a comment on that. How many of you, I dare all of you, have done this one time or another? On a clear night, gazed up into the skies and looked at the stars. Were you not awestruck? Just with the expansiveness of it. And when scripture says that he spoke these things into existence, awesome doesn't even dis- start to begin to describe God's awesome power. Well, we also have conscience. <clears throat> Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says, For when the Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things that are in the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves. How is that? How could that happen if it isn't God innately put there? They're a law to themselves in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts their conscience-bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or defending them. No one has to tell a baby, a child, how to lie. Remember when I was little, my mom told me the story. I was probably two or three, I don't know. And... I got into the pots and pans and scattered them all over the kitchen floor and banging on them, carrying on. And my mom come here, Gary, who did this? I said, radio, mama, radio. Blaming it on the radio. You think the radio did it? Mm-mm. No one has to teach a child the law. Guess what? No one has to, and in every culture in the world, Murder is wrong. Stealing is wrong. Where do they get that? Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not murder. God innately placed it there. And we have providence as a a revelation. Providence is God's care and his superintendence, which he exercises over all his creation. It is because he is in control of both. Genesis 5, and here's a good example. I, I got a couple of examples here about God's providence. We all know this one, but I, I love it anyway. It's about Joseph and his brothers. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. This is Genesis 15, 18 to 20. They fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. I can imagine the anguish that Joseph is feeling here. And he said to them, Do not be afraid. Am I in God's place? But as for you, I know you guys are guilty. As for you, you meant it for evil, against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring about this day to save many people. In Samuel First uh, Samuel chapter two, verses six to nine, we don't think about God's providence in these terms, but listen. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts up the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and makes them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. He will guard the feet of his saints but the wicked shall be silent in darkness, for by strength no man shall prevail. All of these things that we deem tragedy, and from our perspective they are. The death of a loved one. Three weeks ago last Saturday, our next door neighbor who we knew, um, she was a mom of four children. And she just up and died just died. Her boyfriend found her the next day dead in her bed and they haven't f- figured out um, what was wrong with her. She was 31 years old. All these things that we may deem to be tragedies and from our perspective they often are but God is in control of all those things. He kills, he makes alive, he brings up, he puts down. Ecclesiastes says that there's A time for everything. Acts. This is another one you think. I remember growing up where my Catholic friends would call Jews Jesus killers. That's exactly how they termed it. You Jesus killer. Not totally understanding what they were saying, but they did. This is Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 23. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus of Nazareth A man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. It was never going to be any different. God had planned Christ to come, to be born, to live, to die. Because it was our salvation that he was working on. He says, and you took him and you nailed him to the cross. You godless men put him to death. Well, that was God's means of have, having that happen. So God's uh, providence is, is, works in many strange ways. Then there's the preservation of the universe. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 puts it this way. And, and this is... Is, is Paul talking about Christ. For by him, Christ, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist, or literally are held together. It's like cosmic glue. They are held together. Then there's the moral nature of mankind. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, our image and our likeness." We don't have the incommunicable attributes of God, but we do have communicable attributes. We love and we have compassion and we have mercy. He says, let let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish and and over the rest of the creation. God has sent man as a representative, uh, as a ruling, benevolent, supposed to be a ruling, benevolent um, uh, caretaker of God's uh, creation. In Acts 17, 29 says, therefore, since we are the offspring of God. Now, he's quoting a a poet, a pagan poet. But the idea is that we are the the, uh, offspring of God. But John 3, 2 and 3 says this. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. Beloved, now are we the children of God. When are we the children of God? Now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know. That when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We know that. I have no idea what we're going to look like when we're in heaven. Um, but it's got to be glorious because we're going to be like Christ. It's going to be an incorruptible body. Men and women, we're not going to sin anymore. Amen? Whew we come to special revelation. This aspect of God's revelation includes the things that God has made known to mankind, which we would never know on our own. Special revelation is way more narrow than general revelation. It involves various means that God used to communicate his, his message. By way of contrast, while general revelation is available to everyone, Special revelation is only available to those who have access to God's biblical truth. Now, everybody almost in the world, okay, in the Western Hemisphere, has accessibility to Scripture. You can get it on your Kindle, you can get it on your phone, you can get it off the computer, you can buy books, it's there. But what Paul is um, referring to in, in 1, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 kind of brings us out. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. You see the, the difference here. They don't have it. We do. By God's grace, we do. By his mercy, we do. But the spirit who is from God, we have that the spirit was from God. Why? That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words of man's wisdom, not the philosophies of man. Not the uh, words which man's wisdom teaches, but that which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual with spiritual. But the natural man, this side, not this side, folks, this side. (laughs) But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they are foolishness to him. Does that sound like the the man who doesn't believe in God is a fool? (laughs) Yeah? Because it's foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Once God turns that on in our lives, amazing thing happens. Wow. I remember the time where I didn't understand this, this verse. And I'm going, man, what is it? What is he talking about here? Because they're foolish, it's spiritually discerned. What is spiritually discerned? And I'm going, Phew. and I remember the day when I got, when the light bulb went on, I go, oh. I can understand this by the Spirit. God is showing me how, how this works. There are several avenues that we look at in special revelation. A bu- bunch of them, y'all. They're listed on your out- on your outline or handout. First of all, the lot. The casting of the lot God used to, to um, determine his will for people at times. <clears throat> The lot is difficult because we don't really have any of them. So they're not really sure if they were sticks with various markings on them or if they were little stones with symbols on them. But it would be something like today, only in a holy, uh, irreverent way, it'd be like us throwing dice and or um, uh, flipping the coin. Now, that's a holy dice and a holy coin, right? But not no time... Ever is that shown without prayer in seeking God's uh, guidance in it. Then there is the Urim and Tumim. Okay, for y'all who are for country, that means the Urim and the Tumim. That actually means the lights and the perfections. This is, they were two stones that were in the breastplate of the high priest. They're hid, hidden in there, and we're not sure exactly what they did with them, roll them or, or whatever they do. <coughs> but they used that to determine God's will on several times in, in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, uh, lots was, was done in the New Testament as well, if you look at Acts chapter one verses 21 to 26. Then there were dreams. God used dreams to communicate various things to them. <clears throat> Give you a good example: Abraham, actually it was Abram and Sarai, were traveling around Kadesh and Shur, and <clears throat> Abraham was afraid to tell Abimelech that Sarah, who was beautiful, uh, was his wife. He called him, "Oh, this is my sister." Hey, I'm says, "Whoo, she's a fine-looking one. Bring her into my tent." God, in a dream, showed him, whoa, dude, you're about ready to die. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. This is a man's wife. Oh, God, I didn't know. He said, I know you didn't know. I know you're innocent in the whole thing, but you better give his wife back. <laughs> so he did. <clears throat> That's how God did that. How many remember Jacob's ladder? He was out in the boonies, laid his head down on the rock, and God showed him that, that vision of, of the angels ascending and desc- descending. Joseph's dreams, did they get him in trouble or what, especially with his brothers? So much so, they hated him because of it. And his mom and dad got a little peeved at him too. What do you mean we're going to be bowing down before you? Yeah. So those are the dreams. And there are visions. <clears throat> One, how many ever listened to or watched the DVDs or whatnot of Dr. R.C. Sproul? teaching on the holiness of God. Anybody? Okay, a few of you. The primary verse that he uses is in Isaiah 6, 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. What? What? Vision. It's like John being jetted into heaven to see these things that he couldn't even talk about. And that's what's happening. It happened with Isaiah. He's seeing God Almighty. And of course, in Genesis 15 1, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Can you imagine? God telling you that? He does by extension in his word. And then there were audible voices. Many times God did this. <clears throat> we think of the one with Jesus as his baptism. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And, and then the voice comes from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. <clears throat> and then later on, this is my ble- on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is my beloved son. All uh, right. Uh, hear him. Well, there are also several uh, occasions in scripture where these theophanies are done. And, and you have a list of those. I <laughs> I was going to go through all these here. You know, boy, I guess. Theophanies are difficult. Because, part of it is because, you know, it's talking about the angel of the Lord. Well, when you look at the context, you pretty well know who it is. Um, Give you a good good one, and this is a voice, but it's the same kind of idea. When in uh, Exodus chapter three, Moses sees the fiery bush, and he goes on, and takes a peek at it, and it says, "And the angel of the Lord said to him, 'Take off your shoes, for the place you are is holy ground.'" And later on, we see <coughs> that the voice of the Lord came to him. So these are some of the examples that are, are there in the th- theophanies. Theophany is a a god, um, a, a god representative in a human or an angelic form. Before the incarnation of Christ, there were many of those. <clears throat> Remember Hagar when sarah said get rid of this woman she's had she had this child first and he's, she's all proud and, and he said well you do what you want with her and he kicked, she kicks her out right so she hagar goes out into the out into the woods and just think with her son and just out there crying and they're they used up their water and she's crying and and an angel comes to her and says what are you doing out here i'm giving you a promise that, this son of yours is going to be a great nation too. Go back and be submissive. Then we have angels. Gabriel um, showing himself to uh, Zechariah and, and him, fore, foretelling the birth of John the Baptist. And, then, and that's in Luke chapter 1. In the same chapter, there's Gabriel back again and he's talking to Mary and he says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. Oh, me? I haven't been there with a man. What are you talking about? He said, the Holy Spirit's going to come, up, come upon you. So these are ways that God did it. <laughs> and in the Old Testament, the angel Gabriel appeared to Daniel, and he had been praying, and, oh, my goodness, and on and on and on. And he comes out and he says, hey, there was a battle going on, and I just couldn't get to you in time, but here I am now. So these are things that he did. And then the prophets Old and New Testament prophets. These were spokesmen for God. Sometimes they brought encouragement. A lot of times they brought condemnation and uh, judgment upon. If you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. And that's what happened. And then there were miracles. My goodness. I, (laughs) I went through and got the various miracles and just wrote them down as reference. There are 11 pages that I have just got, got those to do. and Wow. How about creation? Is that a miracle or what? And the worldwide flood. And uh, this, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed. And Isaac conceived by Sarah when she was 90 years old and <laughs> Abraham was 100. Tell me that's not a miracle. So there are, there are plenty of miracles in Scripture that... that um, that we see that uh, um, God uses to reveal himself to us. Special revelation especially, though, focuses on Jesus Christ. Christ is God's perfect revelation. We've seen several times this verse in Hebrews chapter uh, 1, but God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That has flavor of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God... Uh, In the beginning was the word. This is imperfect in in the Greek, which means that's action in time past with continuing results. What happened there still has a result. It's like us today being saved. We put our trust in Jesus Christ who died 2,000 years ago. But it is so efficacious that it affects us today and everyone who in faith turns to Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. This is an, another interesting word that, that he uses. It means to be face-to-face with God. It's an equality with God. And then the last part of that verse is the word was God. The Greek word "kai theos ain, ha, literally is, and God was the word. It doesn't get any more plain, folks. So he's the word because he is complete revelation of God. And he reveals what God is like. John 1.18. No one has seen God at any time, says Jesus. The only begotten son, old King James, new King James, or only begotten God from the NU, the uh, Nestle Olin text. Um, the only begotten son, God, who is in the bosom of the father. He has declared him. Interesting about this term declared, it means to exegete, to explain, to bring full understanding of, and that's what Christ came to do. Jesus explains this in in John chapter 14. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place, I will come again. And receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas says, what are you talking about? Lord, we don't know where you're going, and we don't know how, what the way is. I love this. John fourteen six. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's why Christianity is, he, he is so exclusive. Jesus says, I am the way, the only way. No one comes to the Father except through me. He says, if you had known me, you would have known the Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be sufficient for us. Jesus said, have I been with you so long, three years, and yet you have not known me? Philip, he who has seen me, has seen the Father. So, how can you say, show us the Father? Christ is the exact replication of God. The, the um, oh, what's that, the term that they use? I don't know if it's in Colossians, wherever, but he is the exact representation of God. In John chapter 5, Jesus heals a. a, a, a A sick man on the Sabbath and the Jews don't like it and they want to kill him. He says, you search the scriptures and you think uh, you have eternal life. These are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Words that Christ uses kind of reflect the old Testament and it, it, it reflects the progressive redemptive revelation It's revelation because it's God's makes himself known. It is redemptive because he reveals himself in the act of redeeming us. And it's progressive because he makes himself and his purposes known by stages until the full light of Christ is revealed. And that's exactly what the Old Testament does. We don't have all of a sudden. Not in Genesis. We don't have, oh, yeah, Jesus. We got a taste of it. A taste in Genesis you know that, that 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 there is a seed coming and on through um, uh, church history and and Old Testament and to the New. It's a progressive revelation of of uh, salvation coming in Christ, but it's not all together. Well, we're about done here, so let's let's go ahead and pray and do not forget to pick up the outline this outline not outline this handout this is a it's called the revelation of god and it's done by um dr jack arnold who was a presbyterian minister and it's a pretty good little study so uh, i think you'll benefit from that uh, let's pray lord thank you for this time thank you for this day thank you for your revelation and all that that means uh, in general revelation and specific revelation in christ jesus the perfect revelation of god And Lord, help us to um, live this day for your glory, understand your truth, and then live it. In Jesus' name, amen.